Well, good morning, Life Church family. How are you? Good to see you today. It's great to have you guys here with us. My name is David Cooper. I am a friend of uh, Pastor Eddie and Pastor Jessica and a friend of the Life team. And I've been actually partnering with the leadership team here at the Life for probably about two to three years now, just providing some consulting and management. And we are friends. So I want to say thank you to Pastor Eddie for giving me the opportunity to speak to you today. And it's an honor to be with you guys. And don't you guys know you have the best pastors this side of heaven, Pastor Eddie and Miss Jessica? Come on, give it up for them. Let's honor them today. We love those guys. They are um, actually on the road. Pastor Eddie is, is doing a wedding uh, in Georgia. And so they're traveling this weekend, and they'll be back with you guys, uh, I believe, next week. So make sure that you're right back here and you don't miss it. And so you can be a, continue to be a part of this church family. And don't you guys love your new space, your new building? I mean, this is awesome that you guys have this place to meet and worship. And God is doing such great things up here in your community, in your area. And I am excited that you guys are a part of it. Amen? Well, I want to tell you off of the bat that this morning is not a spectator sport. This is a participation sport. So I may ask you to say things or repeat words back to me um, and, and just have a lot of fun. And if you think something is good, feel free to say, uh-huh, yeah, I like that. Okay, go ahead, brother. Yeah, amen, or something like that. And if you don't like it, well, just don't say nothing. But other than that, you can say pretty much anything. But we want to have a good time this morning. And I am excited to be here to share with you during this season that you are learning about reaping, right? Sowing seed and reaping the next level, the next thing that God has for you. And as we kind of continue to talk about that this morning, I want to share with you a message entitled, The Climb. Everybody say, The Climb. Take a deep breath. Say, The Climb. See, it's so much better when you take a breath. It's like when your kids get on your last nerve and you go... Did you hear what I said? Like, if you don't take that breath, it's just not the same, right? So we take a deep breath and breathe out while you're speaking, but it makes it a lot more fun. Today I want to talk to you about the climb, but I need to give you some context about what we're going to discuss together. How many of you have had seasons in your life where you maybe knew that you had something more that you should be doing? Something greater maybe in your future. Or you had a, a feeling inside of you that lets you know that God maybe even has something more for you. Or, or an inner feeling of like, man, I, I just feel like there's greatness for my life. Or there's something bigger for my life. Or, or there's something just around the corner. But how many of you have also felt... I don't know how I'm going to get there. Have you ever been to that place as well? I don't know how I'm going to get there, right? Today I want to talk to you about how to take some practical steps in moving towards the destiny that God has for you. See, the reality is when we are birthed into this life, the Bible tells us that God handpicked us. In fact, it says in, in Proverbs that we were a thought in the mind of God before we were ever born. Now, if you think about that, that's a, that's a crazy statement. That God actually thought about you before you were ever created. So if you were a thought in the mind of God, that means he has something incredible in store for you. And so what I want to talk to you about today is the journey that we go on in order to make the climb. Everybody say the climb. 
In order to make the climb, it requires some things of us. And in order to do that, we're going to look at a passage of Scripture today about a guy named Zacchaeus. I'm not going to make you say that one because that's like, that one, that's a tough Old Testament word. But his name was Zacchaeus. But for today's conversation, we're going to call him Z. Everybody say Z. So when I say Z, I'm referring to Zac Zacchaeus. I like to kind of coop digify the, the scripture and the names of the Old Testament. So my name, last name is Cooper. So when I say coop digify, I like, it's my like weird translation. So I talk about Zacchaeus. I'm going to call him Z. We're also going to be talking about Jesus. But let me give you some context of what's happening in the passage of scripture that we're getting ready to look at. The first thing that we know, need to know is that Z, as we call him, or Zacchaeus, Z was the, the tax collector for Jericho. But he wasn't just the tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. That means he was large and in charge. You know what I'm saying? Everybody knew who he was. Uh, he, he's the one that sent the letters to the house that said, you got to pay your taxes. He's the one that let people know when they didn't pay their taxes. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you. You ever get letters from the IRS or a letter from the state? And when you get that letter... Do you, for a moment, think to yourself, oh, shoot, what didn't I do, right? You kind of freak out for a minute. I mean, I, have, I own a business. I have my personal taxes. And every time I get letters from the IRS or from, from the, the state of Florida, I look at that and it says Department of Revenue. And when I see that, I think, oh, man, Lord, did I file that? Did I file that thing? Did I write that check? Did I pay that bill? And, and, and we get this feeling when we even think about it. Zacchaeus Z was that guy in this day, in this time. He was the guy that everybody loved to hate, okay? He wasn't popular, but he was very well known. He had authority. He was an executive leader in the community. He was very well known, and, and people probably avoided him in the town square, and when he'd walk around, he was kind of going, oh, there's Z, there's Zacchaeus, the chief tax collector. I'm not going to talk to him. He'd say, I'd owe some more money. People probably avoided him, but he was very prominent in the community. He was probably very wealthy. And he was definitely established. So people knew this guy, right? He stood out. And then you've got Jesus. So what's happening in this passage where Zacchaeus and Jesus meet is Jesus is, he's well known at this time. I mean, he was definitely trending. Everybody's tweeting about him, snapping about him. He's on Facebook. He's on Twitter. Like, he's selfie and, hey, 5,000 loaves of bread. You know, like, Jesus was trending. Everybody knew who Jesus was. He was a popular guy. He was also a controversial guy. You know, his, his treats were probably more controversial than our president, right? I mean, he was, he was a controversial guy. <coughs> but everybody knew him, and crowds were following him. So the word had spread throughout this part of the world that Jesus was around. And so when it, when it, when it was come to information that Jesus would be traveling to a city near you, it would spread just like it does here. When we hear a celebrity or an athlete or even the president is coming to town, it travels. That news travels, doesn't it? I mean, we hear about it on the news. It's on social media. It's on the Internet. It's on commercials. It's happening. And so that's what was going on in this era. And so when, when this takes place, Jesus was actually on a journey. He was going to Bethany, which was uh, away from Jericho, but he had to go through Jericho to get there because... In this passage of scripture, Jesus had found out that Lazarus had died. That was his friend. And he was on his way to comfort Lazarus and his family in their time of death. So he was on his way somewhere. And that means he probably didn't have a lot of time to get there. He was trying to get there as quickly as possible. And he was on a journey to go to comfort this family. 
So he's going through Jericho, and this is like an overnight stop for where he is headed, okay? So let's pick up this, this passage of Scripture and, and what's going on in the climate, and we'll learn from, from really what happens between him and Zacchaeus. So Luke chapter 19, verse 1, they're going to have it on the screens for you, and this is what it says. So Jesus entered Jericho, and he was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, I can relate, he could not see over the crowd. I can relate to that too. <laughs> so he ran ahead, and it says he climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, everybody say the spot, he looked up and he said to him, Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and he welcomed him gladly. Now all the people saw this and they began to mutter, he's gone to be the guest of that sinner. Can you believe it? They started talking trash, right? But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, look, Lord, here now I give half of all my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Then Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house. Because this man, too, is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. God, we thank you for the opportunity to be at the Life Church here in Tampa. Thank you for the ability to learn from your word. We pray we learn something amazing today from Zacchaeus and from Jesus about how to make the climb for you. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So, I'm going to give you five simple principles about what happens in our lives and what it takes to make the climb. The climb is basically our effort to pursue what is next for us that God might have for us. And so there's five characteristics or five principles that we can learn from this passage of Scripture that happen or require of us when we make the climb. The first thing that you need to know when you make a decision to make the climb for that next level in your relationship with God is that when you make the climb, it requires a call. Now, we get calls every day, don't we? We get phone calls every day. Uh, we get phone calls on our smartphones. Some of you still have landlines that are still living in the dark ages. And some of us don't have landlines and we just do everything mobile. And we get, we get phone calls all the time. I happen to have with me today one of the first ever cellular phones. This is a Motorola bag phone. Now, how many of you ever had one of these back in the day? How many of you have these? Yeah, you're old like me. That's right. These, these, listen, if you had one of these back in the day, you were doing it. You were doing it big, like you were balling. You were straight balling if you had a bag phone like this. I mean, this is crazy. Like, it was a bag. It's, it's literally a bag, right? It's just, it's a bag. And then inside is the phone. Now, some of you guys that are like millennials or 30 and under, you're like, oh, my gosh. Are you serious right now? Like, listen, you have to understand, if you were walking around the mall carrying this, you were doing it. Like, you, I mean, you were really doing it. You're like, Oh, snap, he's got a Motorola phone in his hand. Like, yeah, that's right. They reach out and touch me anytime, anywhere. You know, can you imagine seeing somebody walk down the beach with this today? Like, yeah. And then the phone rings like a real phone. Like, you know, and then they go like this. Yes, it had a cord. 
We had corded phones back in the day, right? We had corded phones. You pick up the phone. Hey, what's happening? Yeah, oh yeah. No, I'm on my cellular. Yeah, yeah, I'm on my cell. If you said you were on your cell, you were doing it. Now, a phone call costs like $12 a minute, but but this was this was big time in it, right? But if you saw somebody using this today, you'd be like, yeah, no, dog, I'm good. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rolling around with that 12-pound phone <laughs> to talk to you, right? But if you had this, you were doing it. Like, I'm not kidding you. But then technology started to evolve, and eventually they came out with these things called flip phones. Like this, like this is right here. How many of you had flip phones? Ever had a flip phone? Yeah, you old too. Yeah. So we had the flip phones, and this was the cool thing because if you had the flip phone, it would ring a little chirp sound, and you bust it out, you'd be like, if you did the flip, that was like it, the flip, bam, yeah, oh, hey, what's happening, yeah, I'm on my flip phone, now, this one you couldn't text with yet, though, this one you couldn't text with, and then we went from the flip phones to these little Nokia little mini pocket phones, right, you guys, I'm taking some of you guys back, you guys are like, oh, my gosh, it's 1993 all over again, I mean, this is, this is like, this is you, and these, these were, these had these, some of you just had a twitch because that sound just took you back to a party one day. Like, oh man, I remember that night. Oh my God. So these phones were cool and you, you, you couldn't quite text with them yet. Uh, and then they made them text available, but you had like to get to letter C, you had to push the first button three times to get to letter C. It took you like six minutes to tell somebody what's up, like with an with a, with a old phone like this. You could not, you know, it was terrible, right? You guys know what I'm saying. And then we evolved, and out came the Blackberry. I call them the Crackberry because the people that used these, like, couldn't get, they were, oh, the Blackberry was everywhere. And they had these big clips on your hip, and it would sit like that. You guys know what I'm saying? And you pop it out. And these had full-size keyboards. They were the first phones that you could actually, it was a full-size keyboard, right? And then the BlackBerry got even smaller, and they came out with the Curve. The BlackBerry Curve, right? And it was real thin, and it was all curved on the edges, and you had a trackball mouse. You had a mouse on the, on the phone, and you could do full email and everything, and now our lives were wrecked forever, right? And then you had what we have today, our smartphones, right, our, our, our iPhones, and, of course, our iPads. We have an entire computer right here, entire computers in our pockets. Do you all remember and understand that when the first computers came out, they were, like, as big as this drum cage, right? I mean, it was like IBM computers were, like, you know, they were massive. Now they're in our pockets. It evolved. But we had to have something to take phone calls when we were away from the house. And so they came up with all this technology, cellular technology. But here's the thing. It's like today in 2018, if I was taking phone calls on this, I would be missing out, wouldn't I? I mean, have you ever had somebody and they got all this old technology and you're like, dude, seriously, you need to evolve with the times. Like your phone is from 1990. What are you doing, right? You would be like tripping on them. Here's what I would say, though. Many of us, this is how we communicate with God when he's trying to communicate like this. And he's trying to connect with us and talk with us in a new way, in his way, and he's trying to take us to a different place. But because of the way that we think and because of the way that our expectations are set, we're trying to communicate with God with antiquated technology. 
And we're not at a place to receive the call like he's trying to communicate with us. You see, in order to have a conversation, you have to pick up the phone. In order to, for us to have and receive a call from God, we have to be willing to answer the call. And so what am I saying to you? God may be challenging you or pushing you or pricking your heart and trying to tell you things or trying to direct you in certain ways. And he's ready, but he's waiting for you to answer the call. You see, when we make the climb, the first thing that we have to understand is that it takes a call. You see, Zacchaeus had a call. If we look at scripture in, in chapter 19, verse 3 of Luke, it says, he wanted to see who Jesus was because he, could, he was short and he could not see over the crowd, but he wanted to see Jesus. So we understand that there was something in Zacchaeus that made him want to go see Jesus. He was drawn to him. There was something about him. You could probably make the assumption that that was the Spirit of God drawing Zacchaeus to this moment. And Zacchaeus was willing to answer the call. That's the first thing we know that we learned from Z, from Z is that he was willing to answer the call. So he, he did whatever it took to get himself to a place where he could answer that call. He put down the antiquated technology and he picked up the new technology and did whatever he do. And he improvised. The second thing that we learned from Zacchaeus is that when we make the climb, it takes determination. When we make the climb, it takes determination. So what did Z do? I mean, he wanted to see Jesus so bad that it, look what he did. In Luke chapter 19, verse 3 and 4, it says he ran ahead, he climbed up into a tree so that he could see Jesus, and he was coming his way. So Zacchaeus was willing to do whatever it took so that he had the opportunity to see Jesus. Now, you have to understand why this is so important. Zacchaeus, again, was a guy who was known in the community. He had status. He dressed a certain way. He looked a certain way. People knew who he was. And he was so curious about Jesus that he was willing to get outside of his reputation and outside of his circumstances to get in a place to see Jesus. I mean, he also knew his limitations. He knew that he was too short, and he knew that this mad mob crowd was following Jesus, and the only way he was going to see Jesus is if he got up higher, right? And so he put a strategy together. I'm going to get there before anybody else, so I don't have to, I'm going to run ahead. I'm going to get to the spot where Jesus is coming, and then I'm going to go climb up this tree. Now, you have to understand, he probably wore expensive clothes. In order to climb a tree, you don't stay clean climbing a tree, because you're wrapping your arms around branches and you're scratching yourself and you're, you know, you're, you're skinning your shins. You remember your kid used to climb trees and you'd, your foot would slip off. You'd bang your shin on, on, on trees. and you, It was not a comfortable place. But he was like, I don't care. I'm going to get to play. I'm going to go climb this tree so I can get up and I can see where Jesus is. So that means he got himself dirty. He got there before anybody else. He probably you know, realized, well, I'm wearing expensive clothes, but who cares? They're going to get ripped. They might get scratched. But I'm just going to do it. He was determined to get in a position to see Jesus. What did this require of him? It required a couple of things. I always say this, that in order to make the climb, it takes determination. And what are some things that you have to do? Well, one of the things you've got to do is you've got to leave your ego at the door 
and your sweat on the floor. You have to put aside your pride. You have to put aside your agenda. You have to put aside your qualifications or expectations. And you just have to be willing to get in there and make it happen. You've got to put your ego at the door and leave your sweat on the floor. And when Zacchaeus made a decision to climb this tree, he was not concerned about what people thought about him. He was like, I just want to see Jesus. I just want to get there and see this guy. He had a vision for what might could happen if he got to see him. Listen, when you have a vision that is bigger than you, it motivates you to do things beyond you. When you think about things bigger than you, it pushes you to do things that are beyond you. You have to get a vision for your life of where you want to go and what you want to do. And sow that seed that Pastor Eddie's been challenging you on so that you can reap the things that Pastor Eddie's been challenging you that you can reap. But you cannot reap until you sow that seed. You cannot reap until you take a step outside of where you are to get where you want to be. And Zacchaeus was determined. You know, the climb isn't easy, but anything that we achieve for the kingdom is not easy. It takes work and sweat equity and trial and tribulation and it requires us to be determined. The third thing I want to share with you today that is required to make the climb is that when we make the climb, we have to get to the spot. Everybody say the spot. Now look at what happens in Scripture right here. Jesus now is the crowd is moving. Now let's picture this, this physically what's happening. We, we have seen on television when celebrities show up into towns or they're walking on public streets and paparazzi shows up, right? And you've got these, these people walking on public streets and there's this mob of people around them, cameras flashing and all this stuff, and it's this pile of dust, right? And in the middle is this person of interest. And they're just kind of walking, and there's usually like bodyguards and people around to try to keep people back. And as they're walking, this crowd is just moving in this mob fashion. You can picture something like that was going on in this moment when Jesus is walking through Jericho. The crowd's gathering. It's getting thicker every block he goes further down the streets. It's getting bigger and bigger, and he's moving. And can you imagine, for the person of interest in the middle of that mob, what it looks like to try to get where you're going. All you can see is a mob of people that's just kind of like floating around you, right? Pretty intimidating, a lot of busyness, energy, loud, noisy people. Hey, Jesus, look over here. Can I get a selfie? You know, like, I mean, autograph, sign my book, sign my Bible. You know, this, this stuff is happening around Jesus. And, and it says that in Luke chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, it says, When Jesus reached the spot, everybody say the spot. He looked up and he said to Zacchaeus, come down here immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, you got to think about it. This is crazy. First of all, how did Jesus know when he was at the spot? Like, what defined it as the spot? Was there a sign? Was there a line in the ground? Was there, was there someone waiting to tell him, hey, you're at the spot? I mean, what happened? He's on his way to stay overnight to go see his friend's family and raise Lazarus from the dead. So you would think that would be the spot. But what caused him to see that he was at the spot was he sees this little guy up in a tree staring down, trying to get a look. Maybe he had some binoculars. He's trying to check him out. And Jesus is looking up over the crowd because he's trying to see where he sees this guy in a tree. And he says, yo, wait a second. Hey, 
Zacchaeus, come down here. Now, at that moment, destiny starts to shift. Because not only was Jesus at the spot, but Zacchaeus was at the spot. And so they're at the spot at the same time. And then Jesus gives him a directive. Now, you have to understand, the language that he used, if you take the words come down here and you translate it from the original text, it's a term that's, that's called katabethi. It's a verb. It's an action verb. It's a, it's a directive. It probably had a little bit of uh behind it. Like, you know how sometimes when you're telling your kids something and they're not listening, and then you take that breath and you're like, I said, how many of you have ever done that, right? How many times have I told you and you go to that next level, that next parent level, you know what I'm saying? And you go, uh. okay, that is a, a statement of emphasis. So the way that Jesus used this word from the original text, it would have been like, come down here. It was a directive. It was a command. Why did he do that? Well, first of all, Jesus is very aware of his situation. He's very aware that Zacchaeus is a man of influence and authority, and Jesus wanted to establish who the real authority was. And so he gives Zacchaeus, a prominent leader, a directive to come to him. That's important. So they're at the spot. Jesus calls him. He calls him down. And here's a couple things that we can understand about getting to the spot. The first thing we need to know is that God expects us to get into position to get to the spot. He expects us to move ourselves into position so that he can work in our lives. Here's what I say a lot of times. I say that when we or you or I see a problem that we have a solution to, until we move to solve that problem, we are 50% responsible for the problem. Let me say that again. When we see a problem that we have the solution to, until we move to be a part of the solution, we are 50% responsible for the problem. Because if we've got the fix and we're withholding it, then we're part of the problem. But if we step forward, we become a part of the solution. Well, it's the same way with God in, in using antiquated technology versus the smartphone. God's trying to reach out to us, but we're not picking up the phone. And so Zacchaeus knew, I don't know why I just got to go see this Jesus. He went and he got into position. And the reason that he was recognized is because he was in position. Can I challenge you to say that if you want to see God take you to the next level in life and help you to climb to the place that he has for you, you got to get in position. You've got to physically, emotionally, spiritually move yourself into position so that God can see you. Now, he doesn't need us to do that. God's all-knowing. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. But we are the only creature that he gave free will to. We are the only creature that, doesn't get, that gets to choose what we do with our life. So our whole relationship with God is based on a choice of ours. So he requires us to make a move towards him so that he can move on our behalf. And so you have to get in a position. The second thing you need to know about getting to the spot is that God demands humility to position us for greatness. 
In that moment when Jesus called Zacchaeus down by name and he said, gave him that command and he called him there, it was a directive. It was him establishing his authority and Zacchaeus listened, came down from the tree and went to him. He didn't say, no, Jesus, push through the crowd and come closer to the tree and then I'll come down. Or you know what, talk to my assistant. She'll set something up for us. <laughs> let, let me get your email. Can I text you? I'll get back to you. Let me see if I got room on my calendar. No, as soon as God, Jesus in the flesh, called Zacchaeus, he moved. Because God requires humility to position us for greatness. And the third thing that we need to know is that in order to make the climb and get to the spot, we can be confident that God will match our effort with his. So here's the mind-blowing thing. Here is Zacchaeus. He's up in a tree. God calls him out. Come on down here, Z. Let's talk. And by the way, can we go to your house and hang out? Now, you have to understand this. This would be like you showing up at a presidential rally, and you're in a greeting line to try to maybe tap or high-five or shake the president's hand. And the president stops and says, hey, can we go hang out at your house and have a barbecue? I just want to go hang out with you. You'd be like, what? Oh, my gosh, we got underwear all over the house. There's laundry out. There's dishes in the sink. I didn't know if I ran a vacuum. I don't even, what does my house even look like right now? Oh, my gosh, we got last night's barbecue ribs still sitting in the thing. You know, like, how many of you, does that just happen in my house or am I the only one? Like, you got dishes in the sink sometimes at the most unopportune time. Somebody says, hey, can we stop by? And you're like, oh, you do like a fast cleanup of your house. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is what, this is reality for this guy. Like, yes, he's thinking, what? You want to come to my house? Zacchaeus is tripping because, first of all, he just wanted to get in the tree to see him. Next thing you know, he's talking to him. And next thing you know, Jesus is saying, can we go to your house and hang out? He's like, what? Total mind trip. Like, whoa, psych your mind type stuff. And he's like, uh, yeah, go to my house. And so now they end up in his house. And they start to have this crazy conversation. Well, what can we learn from this? What we can learn from this action is that if we respond to the opportunity that God gives us, he will give more opportunity to us. If we just take that step, he's already a step ahead of us. Zacchaeus had no clue what was getting ready to happen. Next thing you know, now Jesus is chilling on his couch. Breaking some manna bread together and just, you know... Chilling. And they're having this conversation. He's talking to the king of kings. And yet he didn't really know if he believed in the king of kings. And now everything changes. People start talking. It says right there in Luke 19 verse 7. It says, all the people saw this and they began to mutter. You need to know that when you make the climb, the haters are going to hate. When you make a decision to make the climb... Haters gonna hate, haters gonna hate, hey, hate, right? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Taylor Swift was writing scripture. She didn't even realize it. <laughs> haters are gonna hate. It's proven. It happened to Jesus. It happened to Z. But here's the cool thing about this. Both of them were completely used to this. Jesus is used to it because they're saying, oh, that guy says he's the son of God. That dude's crazy. That guy's over there talking trash to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. That guy's over there saying he performs miracles and, like, turns water into wine and stuff. I mean, you can't believe this guy. Who is this guy? This guy's blah, 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 blah. 
Then people are talking about Zacchaeus. They go, oh, here comes Zacchaeus. He's going to ask you for money. He's a money, money, gold-digging fool. He's always looking for money. Look at, oh, look at him in his nice clothes. He thinks he's somebody. He's short anyways. He ain't nobody, blah, blah, blah. Zacchaeus was used to being talked to. Jesus was being talked to. So guess what? They didn't care. They're like, ah, oh, we're used to this. People can talk all they want. We ain't tripping. They go on together. You better know that when you make a decision to pursue all that God has for you, haters are going to hate. And the number one hater, the Bible refers to him as Satan. And the word Satan translated means the accuser. The accuser, not the truth teller, not the prover, not the evidence deliverer, the accuser. An ac accuser is a person who makes accusations. False accusations. So when the enemy tries to come into your ear when you say, I want more for God, I want to do more for God, I want to sow seed so that I can reap all that God has for me, and he starts telling you, you can't afford that. You can't give that tax refund to the church. You can't serve that time at the church. You can't go feed the homeless. You, you used to be homeless. Who do you think you are? You're no better than them. You can, you can go out and reach the prostitute or reach the drug addict. Well, you can't do that. You used to be drug addict yourself. You used to be in the porn yourself. And, blah, 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 blah. and he's all up in here. He's the accuser of the brethren. He was called that on purpose with intention because he's a liar. And haters are going to hate Satan doesn't love you. He hates you. You want to know why he hates you? Because you have something that he can never have access to, which is eternal life and freedom and freedom from sin. He will never get it. He was bound to hell for all of eternity because he tried to be like God. So now he's just trying to build his population and take people with him. And he can't procreate. He can only imitate. All he can do is pervert truth into lies. So when he starts talking to you and telling you you're not worthy and telling you you can't do it and telling you you can't make it happen, just tell him to shut up. Because he's the accuser, not the prover. When you try to make the climb, people, the enemy, are going to tell you you can't do it. But just know, if you can get to the spot Jesus is going to meet you right where you are. The last thing that you need to know is that when you make the climb, your expectations will be exceeded. If you make the effort to make the climb, your expectations will be exceeded. So here's Zacchaeus. He made the climb. He got in position. He got up a tree. He has a conversation with Jesus. Jesus says, come on, let's hang out at your house. Let's go back to the house. And now they're back at the house, and it's like things are going well, and he can't believe he's sitting here. And, and Jesus starts asking about his life, and he's so nervous, and he knows the Old Testament principles of sacrifice. He would have known that. He was an educated guy, so he would have known about sacrificing uh, animals and giving up sacrifice for your sin and atonement because he was an educated guy. He all of a sudden feels bad for all the stuff that he's done, and he just starts telling Jesus, oh, listen, Lord, I, I'm going to give half of everything I have to the poor. I'm going to go back to make right anybody that I ever cheated and anybody that I ever stole money from, I'm going to take it back to him. I'm going to give it to him four times. I mean, he is tripping. It's like when your kids get in trouble. And, you know, like my children, my children, like, they'll, they'll be real chill until, like, the spoon comes out or the belt. 
Okay, Dad, yes, I'm sorry. I'll never do it again ever the rest of my life. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Right. You know, because the real authority is coming. That capital punishment is coming. So that's what's happening. Zacchaeus is tripping. He's like, oh, my gosh, this guy's for real. He really is Jesus. Okay, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry I cheated. He starts babbling and just getting it all out. And he's confessing. What does Jesus do? All right, well, you kiss my ring three times and we're good. Well, you know what? You need to go down and say seven Hail Marys and then we'll be good. No, no, actually, here, we, you know, we have a six-step program. You want you to enroll in that. You get in the six-step program and I'll come to your graduation and you get your certificate. We'll be good. No. He says, today, salvation has come to this house. This man now is a son of Abraham. Now, if you understand, that's a really big deal. Because when he declares this guy as a son of Abraham, he is saying, I'm going into covenant with this guy. You see, Abraham was one of the original descendants of Jesus, right? From, from Abraham, from the Old Testament. And the Abrahamic covenant was a big deal. And Jesus knows this, so he uses this terminology to validate we're friends now. Not just friends, we're family. We're in covenant relationship together. And he makes this declaration over Zacchaeus, and he says, in all of his house. Why? Because Z was willing to make the climb. You see, you need to understand that when you make the climb, haters are going to hate. When you make the climb, you have to do other things that, things that other people are not willing to do. When you make the climb, you have to ignore the hate of your past, your pain, or your present. When you make the climb, you understand that people are going to laugh at you when you fall, but they're going to be taking pictures of you when you fly. You see, it's never a celebration until the story ends. People are going to look at you in all kinds of different ways, but man, when you start flapping your wings like an eagle and soaring above the normal state of life because you have such favor and blessing on your life because God's been so good to you, people that are hating are now going to be taking pictures going, man, look at them fly. So whatever is between you and getting up that tree, you need to decide today, I'm going to push back my pain I'm going to push back my past. I'm going to push back my circumstance. I'm going to push back my financial restriction. I'm going to push back everything that's between me and God. I'm going to push back the, 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 the self-talk that's holding me down. And I'm going to start to make the climb and get into a position so that I can get in a place where Jesus can see me and I can see him. And if I can just get to the spot, God is going to change everything in my world does anybody want to get to the spot my prayer for everyone in this room and anyone watching online today is that you will get so sick and tired of being sick and tired that you will run through walls to make the climb for God because if you can make that decision, he will meet you where you are, he will step into your world, and everything will change. Do you know what the differentiating factor is from Zacchaeus and someone who didn't have Jesus impacting their world that way? Zacchaeus was willing to invite Jesus into his circumstances. 
You see, Z didn't deserve any of this. And there's nothing he could have done to earn it. There's nothing that any of us can do to earn the love of God. Because we're not worthy. It's given to us by what's called grace. The word grace means unmerited favor. Unmerited means we can't, we can't earn it. We don't deserve it. Z was not worthy of that opportunity. But Jesus is a fan of the unworthy. God is a fan of the unworthy. I'm not worthy. You're not worthy. Pastor Eddie's not worthy. But God comes into our world because he loves us, not because we deserve it. And all we have to do is invite God into our circumstance and everything changes. You see, some of you are here and you've been trying to do this on your own. You've been trying to sow seed on your own. You've been trying to say, God, I want to reap, harvest. You're trying to do it on your own. And God is saying, no, 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 no. Just invite me into your circumstances and everything will change. Let me provide you a job. Let me heal your marriage. Let me erase your past. Let me change your bank statement balance. Let me work that job out. Let me take away the past of the pain. Let me be the one who steps in. You don't have to try and do it yourself. Just invite God into your circumstances and you can make the climb and have a covenant relationship with God that will change your destiny. Bow your heads and close your eyes just for a minute. And I just want to take a moment to pray for some of you. Some of you in here today, you're hearing this and this is resonating so deeply with your life. Right now your heart rate has increased. You're nervous. You can feel what's happening in the moment because the Spirit of God is touching you. And if that's you today and you would say, I want to make the climb I need to get in position. I need to humble myself. I need to get to the spot. I need to ignore the hate. I need to be more determined. If that's you, without anybody looking around, would you just lift up your hand so I can pray for you right now? Just lift up your hand if I can pray for you. Yes, 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 yes. Many, many, many of you. Many of you, many of you. Many of you. Lord, I pray for everyone that's raising their hands right now. I pray that they would feel your spirit touching them right now. I pray that they would be encouraged. Lord, whatever it is that's holding them back from getting into position or getting to the spot, whether it's finance, whether it's pain, whether it's sin, whether it's regret, whether it's relationships, social status, their own self-talk, whatever it is, God, I pray that you would help them to put it aside, make the climb to get where you want them to be so that they, they can experience all that you have for them and they can truly reap everything you have in store for them. I pray all these things in your name. Amen.